Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome friends to another 10 things to tell you favorite things episode. I feel like this one came up really quick because I changed the frequency of these episodes. They used to be every 20 episodes, but based on your feedback in the listener survey last fall, I changed them to every 10 episodes. So about every two and a half months, we come together to share our favorite things. And that feels about right. You love to talk about favorite things and hear about favorite things. And it's kind of one of those topics that is like really getting to the crux of what 10 Things to Tell You is, which is sharing our stuff. But that doesn't always have to mean like deep, thoughtful, meaningful stuff. Sometimes it is like literally sharing our stuff, what we're into right now, what our favorite things are at this moment. And I know that I love to hear what my friends are enjoying, what, you know, beauty products they love, what podcasts they're into at the moment, anything that they're into. I just love hearing those types of recommendations from anyone, really. And so while you are listening to my current favorite things, which today, as always, will really be a variety of objects and things that I'm thinking about that fall into my favorite things category. While you're listening to mine, I hope that you're thinking about yours. And what I really hope, what my big ask of this show is, is that you take those things, those favorites that are in your mind, and that you share them somewhere, that you text a friend, that you bring it up 
at dinner time with a spouse, with a family member, anyone really, that you take some time this week and you just share a favorite something. You don't have to come up with a list of 10, although I will be providing a place for you to do that this week with our 10 on the 10th prompt. Every month, if you didn't know, we have a 10 on the 10th, on the 10th of the month. We have a prompt that I share on social media at 10 Things to Tell You. We have a prompt there that I encourage you to answer and share on your own social media. I love putting prompts out using Instagram, using Facebook. A lot of times they're tied to the episodes, the topics that we're talking about here on the podcast. Sometimes they're different, so make sure that you're following there if you want to catch all of the prompts. But this week, because the 10th of the month will fall, the week that this episode also comes out, I'm encouraging people to share their favorite things. If you cannot come up with 10, do not fear. Like, just share a few things. Again, Everyone loves recommendations. Everyone loves sharing their recommendations, hearing someone else's recommendations about anything and everything that you're loving right now. And you really never know what sharing something, like what kind of conversation will spark out of that. Even if you're just saying, hey, I'm really into this TV show, someone who is following you or hears that conversation, overhears it, it might spark a really good conversation and connection with that person that you didn't even know was out there. You didn't even know that a great conversation was going to come out of you sharing this random thing. So don't forget that. Don't forget the power of sharing and that when I am talking about sharing, as I so often do, I am not always talking about like sharing your deepest, most heartfelt moments. Sometimes it's just sharing like a quick recommendation. So we're going to talk about favorite things. If you are listening While you are multitasking right now and you want to see the list all together, you want to have the links to everything that I talk about, you can always, on every episode of this show, go to 10thingstotellyou.com, the number 10, thingstotellyou.com, to get to the show notes. Just click podcast up in the navigation bar, and there are several drop-down things that you can choose. You can go to see the show notes and get all these links, you can sign up for episode emails so that the show notes come straight to you, to your email inbox every time there is a new episode. And then you will have all of the links right there waiting for you. All of that is available on every single episode, all the information you could ever want at 10thingstotellyou.com. Okay, we're going to jump right into my favorite things. Number one of my favorite thing right now (laughs) And it is number one because it is still so much on my mind. And it is also probably the splurgiest thing that I've talked about in a really long time. It is splurgy. This is a luxury item. This is a big ticket thing that I'm going to share with you. But I'm going to talk about it because it would have been helpful for me to have heard someone else talk about it. And also because like facts on the ground, it is one of my very favorite things right now. And number one is using a professional organizer. Okay, stay with me because professional organizers or just like organizing in general has been all the rage for years and years now. Marie Kondo with her life-changing magic of tidying up like spawned one million jillion Instagram accounts, Pinterest accounts, 
people becoming professional organizers or that just becoming a more popular industry. And I wasn't always totally on board. It's not that I don't think organizing is great and that we all shouldn't like have some kind of, you know, mindfulness around how our life and spaces and home are organized. It's just that I'm not like a minimalist. And sometimes it felt like very, I don't want to say shamey because I don't think people's intent was to be shaming. And a lot of times, you know, if you feel shame sometimes when you see like these pictures of perfection, it's not always on the creator, maybe it's on you. And so maybe I'm projecting how I felt with all of this like uber organized standard that we were all supposed to live up to in our homes with like our cabinets looking like they belonged to like a retail store instead of a place that we lived that really sort of touched on with me like just a lot of I don't know it didn't make me feel good inside made me feel like I wasn't keeping up with my stuff in a good enough way like you know there was just a lot of stuff that I feel like came up with the organizing craze that has taken over the nation in the last few years. But my husband and I bought a new house. We decided to move. And before we did that, I realized that moving from our home that we lived in for 11 years, 11 plus years, it was going to be a monumental task. We had, of course, like a lot of people do, we had junk drawers and junk closets. And we had just accumulated a ton of stuff that I didn't want to move to a new house. Like it was going to be a huge task to sort out what needed to be donated, what needed to be trashed. And some of these projects were things that my husband had sort of been requesting (laughs) that we clean out even before we decided to move. Like going through the garage and like culling all of the sports equipment we no longer needed or that was too small for our kids or just a lot of clutter. I mean, you know, like just life's clutter. He had sort of been wanting to do these projects anyway, and it just felt like the months and then the years were rolling by where we just never got around to those projects. It is a big deal to set aside a big chunk of time to, you know, organize your house. And I procrastinated it or legitimately didn't have time for it. And so when I knew we were going to move, I thought, well, this is a time like we could use some help with this. Jeff is currently shooting a movie. I have a lot of work stuff going on. I just decided I wanted to ask for help in this particular arena. So I actually reached out to a company called Done and Done. They are Done and Done Home on Instagram. This is not any kind of an advertisement for them, although I was super happy with their services and am going to use them again and really love them. But this was something I, you know, completely paid for myself. This is not sponsored. This is not perked. This is just me truly talking about my experience with working with professional organizers and why it was so beneficial to me. And like, honestly, I could probably do a whole podcast episode on this topic, but here is why it was my favorite thing. Having people help you with this task who are impartial turned out to be extremely invaluable. So this isn't a thing, or at least it wasn't in my experience, that you just hire out and then they organize 
your life and then you walk back into an organized home. Like this is not HGTV. This is not how it worked. You actually participate in the organizing, but because there are other people there, they are sorting things into piles. This is how it worked for me. They sorted things into piles first that were like, here's what we think should be hauled away. Here are things that you need to go through. Here's the donate pile. And then I went through every single stack that they made. But they did the first round of pulling everything out of the drawers, everything, like every pen, every scrap of paper, like every single thing in the room that they were working in, they took everything out and sorted it. And the thing about doing this yourself, which we all organize ourselves, right? I mean, like, it's just a part of life. But the thing about you doing it yourself is you often have emotional attachments to things that you you can't even explain. Like you don't even want to go through that drawer because it's overwhelming to you. Or you're going to get snagged. You're going to get hung up on something that brings back a lot of memories, good or bad. And then you can't like move forward with the task because you end up sitting on the floor and like, going through a bunch of old papers that fills you with a lot of emotion, all kinds of emotion. You know, you can have shame, you can have regret, you can, you know, feel emotionally happy. Like there's all these things. And then, you know, hours have gone by and you really haven't cleaned out the thing you're supposed to clean out. So for me, it was really helpful to have this outside perspective of someone being like, we think that this is a piece of equipment, this is a kitchen appliance that appears to not be working. It appears to be broken. Why do we still have it? Now, I might launch into like a whole thing of like, well, I got that as a wedding gift from this person and it's been hard to let go of and whatever. But when you're standing there in front of someone, you realize actually this is a kitchen appliance that doesn't work. It goes in the trash. Now, why you can't always come to that conclusion when you're standing there alone in your kitchen with all your memories and with all your distractions, I do not know. But it was super clarifying and helpful for me to have people holding me accountable to finishing this task and also being non-judgmental. Obviously, I can't speak for any other professional organizers, but I've heard this from some friends who have used a similar service. But the women I worked with, it was two women who were lovely and amazing. They did not try to convince me to keep anything or trash anything. They sort of were just very objective about if a thing worked or they might give a slight opinion, but it was not anything that made me feel like a dumbo. It's not anything that made me feel stupid for wanting to hang on to it. If I did choose to hang on to it, they put it in the keep pile with no judgment. But they also helped me along to realize just in the matter of sorting things, of what really I was ready to let go of and that I needed to let go of. And and when it was gone, I felt better. I felt a relief. And another huge part of this for me was they helped me truly complete the task. And what I mean by that is I have a habit of getting like three-fourths of the way done with a task. So if I'm going to clean out a closet, for example, I might truly clean it out. I might make the piles or whatever, but then the donate pile never actually makes it to the place to be donated. Like it will then sit in a bag or a box or a corner for like 
months. Like I just struggle with making these final steps. And this is true in a lot of aspects of my life is that I am pretty good about getting started with something and medium good about the middle part of any task. And then I just falter at the end. I cannot seem to close a deal. And so I end up with piles all over the house or I end up with things like just not all the way done. So every time I walk by this pile or this corner, I just think that this project I was working on, this clean out or whatever this is, it's not done. It it just sits there in my mind. And in actuality, it just sits there. So another thing that was helpful for me in hiring help for the task of organizing was that they completed the whole cycle, if you will. They either took or helped me take the things that needed to go to the trash. They arranged for the people to come pick up donations. Like they really helped truly complete that project. And so I realize this is a splurgy thing. I realize that like we are kicking this off with a thing that might not be at all like on your radar, in your wheelhouse, but it really is one of my favorite things and sort of a theme in my life that I've talked about a lot in the last year or so of like finding someone, if at all possible, to help you with the things you're not good at or to help you with the things that are your weak spots. I've talked about this in my work life. Now I'm talking about this in terms of our moving life, in terms of like house projects that having someone be objective about it, I really cannot overstate what a game changer it was for me and the mind swirl that I get in around cleaning and organizing. Now, professional organizers are expensive. They just are. It's a big job. It's a trendy thing. There are a lot of things about it that you know, make this an expensive thing to outsource. I totally get that. However, I will say after our experience with the organizers that was so positive, my husband and I were both so pleased, he ended up hiring some people for a different, smaller task. And it was reasonable and it was just a day long. And I think depending on what area you're in, if you're in the city, if you're in a more rural area, to like do some Googling and looking around and realize if they're are services like this out there that will help you take on some of these tasks. They might not all be as expensive as what the trend implies. But if you are in a place, especially like if you're moving or maybe you're cleaning out a space for someone else, if you've lost a loved one or or anything like that, to just consider if it is within your budget the benefits of professional organizers and what they bring to the table if this is not something that you are naturally good at. So it is definitely one of my favorite things. I wanted to lead with it because it is so on my mind. We just moved last month. We still have a lot of boxes and a lot of things like sitting around our house, but I feel very comfortable with the fact that we didn't move a lot of unnecessary stuff. And I know that if we had, we would have, you know, almost double the amount of stuff that we moved and we'd be dealing with it in the new house, which isn't what I wanted to do. So number one of my favorite things, professional organizers, not an everyday occurrence, but something I just wanted to tip off for you if you were wondering what that experience was like. Okay, number two, favorite things. Speaking of moving, I promise not all of these will have to do with moving and house stuff. It's just such a huge part of our life at the moment. But number two, my favorite things right now is wallpaper. 
This is not new. I have always loved wallpaper. If you followed me on social at all, you know that my office in my old house had this beautiful tree bird wallpaper that I loved. It was in the background of a lot of my pictures. I also had a powder room at the new house with gold metallic flower wallpaper. Funny story about that is I chose that when we moved into that house when my daughter was a baby. And it was designed by someone that I followed as a blogger online, Joy Cho of Oh Joy. Cut to a few years later, Joy and I had babies on the same day in October, and I saw it on Twitter, thought it was interesting because she was one of my favorite bloggers. Cut to years after that, those same two children end up at the same little school in Los Angeles, and Joy and I got to be friends, and I just very shyly had to tell her, oh my gosh, I have your wallpaper in my powder room. It was funny slash awkward. She was so gracious about it. She is lovely. If you don't follow Ojoy, she's a really fun follow on social media as well. She's a great, great, great designer. But anyway, all of that to say, I have had a long love affair with wallpaper, especially in small spaces where you can make a huge impact and also where you can like take more of a style risk. I mean, sure, you can get mellow low-key wallpaper, but I like bright, traumatic wallpaper. And so I usually use them in rooms or spaces that are not like terribly overwhelming. They might just be a little bit of a surprise. A powder room is my favorite because a powder room is often what guests will use when they're over. And so it's like a highly trafficked area of the home and like really makes an impact. It makes people remember your house, remember their experience at your house when you have this really kind of dramatic little powder room. At our new house, I chose wallpaper for three bathrooms. Yes, it ended up being all bathrooms. A powder room, again, my daughter's bathroom, and one of the other bathrooms. They were all very plain when we bought the house. They were all just like literally like white walls, very, very plain little bathrooms. And I chose the wildest, craziest wallpaper. (laughs) In fact, My contractor was like, you always choose the craziest wallpaper you can like literally find. And I was like, and? And he responded, it looks amazing. Because it does. It looks amazing. I shared the wallpaper samples, not the finished rooms, because we're still sort of accessorizing those bathrooms. But I shared the wallpaper samples in my secret post newsletter that went out a couple of weeks ago. If you want to get those kind of little tidbits of our personal life. You can always sign up for the secret post yourself at 10thingsatellyou.com slash secret posts. But I shared the samples of those wallpaper and they are crazy. One of them is like a flying lynx. Is that what they're called? A lynx, like a flying cartoon cat thing. One of them is a tiger. One of them is a gorilla. My husband often likened to a gorilla. He named his production company Gorilla Flicks. This will be a bathroom he will use a lot. It's metallic with gorillas all over it. I just love wallpaper. Now, I'm not a designer. I cannot give you any tips and tricks on how to choose wallpaper. Pinterest is your friend. But I will tell you that I bought all of the wallpaper, a few rolls per bathroom. I bought them all and found them all just on wallpaperdirect.com. There are a couple of cool places here in Los Angeles to look for wallpaper, to like physically go and flip through the wallpaper books. 
but I was looking online and I loved the way the Wallpaper Direct website is set up and that it shows you what the wallpaper looks like in different types of rooms. You can order samples there for like a dollar each. They came very quickly when I ordered a bunch of samples. So again, not sponsored or anything. I paid for all of this, but I bought my wallpaper from wallpaperdirect.com. You can sort by, you know, animal designs, which is what I did. All three of mine turned out to be animals. (laughs) You can sort by color, print style, you know, traditional versus modern versus geometric, whatever you're kind of thinking about in your mind, metallic. I thought it was fun and quick and I am a huge wallpaper fan. As soon as we get those rooms completely accessorized and where I want to be able to share them, I will share them on Instagram. I usually share that kind of personal stuff on my personal account, which is laura.tremaine. But number two on my favorite things list, also a home thing, but this one was wallpaper. There are so many deodorant brands and products out there that it can take a lot of work to keep them all straight. But have you ever wondered if there could be one deodorant product for your whole body? Say hello to Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. My favorite part about Lumi deodorant is that it's baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. And unlike other deodorants that try to mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated with mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. It's more of a pre-odorant, if you will. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code TELL at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code TELL, T-E-L-L. Now, back to the show. Whether you are in a super busy season of life or don't want to make multiple weekly trips to the grocery store or just want to change up your meal routine, there is no better time to try Factor. I'm excited to partner with Factor this year because no one likes not having to cook dinner every night more than I do. Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery service that makes eating better every day easy. Each meal is cooked fresh and is never frozen, with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, and more. Each Factor meal is pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved There are 35 different options to choose from every week, plus an additional 60 add-ons to fill you up in between meals as well. All you have to do is heat your meal in the microwave for two minutes and then enjoy restaurant-quality food. Heat and eat, and that's it. These meals come right to your door, and you can also pause or reschedule your delivery anytime. There is no prep, no cooking, and no cleanup. What more can I ask for? Head to factormeals.com slash tell50 and use code tell50 to get 50% off. That's code tell50, T-E-L-L, then the numbers five zero at factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals, M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash tell50 to get 50% off. Okay, number three, favorite things. 
we're going to take a wide swing from home stuff and move into a beauty product. And this is not something I thought that I would share on here, but I really have used it so much in the last month or so that I felt like it squarely deserved to be on my favorite things list. And this is an Aveeno lotion, a body lotion, Aveeno brand. This is one of my very favorite drugstore brands. I buy a lot of things from Aveeno. They're especially good for sensitive skin, which I have. And so I just really love the way that their products feel. I love the way that they smell. That's a big thing for me is fragrance in different beauty products. What I want to share with you today is the Aveeno Skin Relief Moisturizing Lotion. It says like right on the bottle, helps heal very dry skin. Now, I am not a huge lotion person. It takes me a while to find formulas that I'm happy with. I don't like to feel greasy. I don't like to feel slimy. I don't like to put lotion on before bed and then get under the sheets and feel like I'm like vaguely sticking to them or sliding around. Like I just, that oogs me all the way out. So I like to have a lotion formula that dries or absorbs really quickly and that does not feel like something is sitting on top of my skin. But I also have really dry skin. And so sometimes, depending on if I'm working with like a body oil or whatever, like the best things that my body needs really needs to be moisturized, rehydrated with, my skin soaks them in, but I don't like the way they feel. So it's just like often a balance for me of trying to find something that I can live with, but that also works really well. I bought this Aveeno Skin Relief Moisturizing Lotion sort of in a moment of desperation. Now, I don't want to spin off into like (laughs) weird health issues right now, but also if you have followed me on social, you might have seen that I, during the week I was moving, so much of this is looping back to me moving, but the actual very week that we moved, I developed a bacterial infection in one foot and then actually in another foot. This is a long and weird story. I will not go into it. But it was painful and tender and distracting and was like a whole thing. You know, having any kind of an infection is a little bit consuming, but an infection in your feet is definitely something that you can't ignore. And when you're trying to like move stuff and be on your feet, it's, you know, it's a whole thing. So I was having a lot of skin issues and I felt like some of the medication I was taking was drying me out. It was like a whole thing. Well, I bought this lotion, again, just like in desperation of something that would work, and just ended up being so pleased with it, pleased enough that it is making it onto the podcast, because it is one of the few things that I've ever used that I felt like I felt the results of it, like for days after. You know, I didn't slather it on like every 12 hours or anything, but I would use it, and then I would notice that full on the next day, like hours and hours after I put it on, that the skin on my legs, which had gotten very dry, was soft and moisturized. And that's just like an anomaly for me. I usually have just like dry, flaky skin on my legs. So when a product does what it says it's going to do, which like I said, it says on the bottle, helps heal very dry skin. I was like, well, dadgum, if it doesn't, I mean, it really does work. And bonus, all those things I said at the beginning, it's not greasy. It doesn't feel weird or slimy. I don't feel like I'm slipping around in it. 
And I find this to be true of a lot of Aveeno products. It just has a really great formula that works well for not just people with sensitive skin, but with people maybe who are highly sensitive to like textures and smells and all of those things. Aveeno is just such a good brand for that. That is number three, Aveeno Skin Relief Moisturizing Lotion. All right, number four. Number four is Feels CBD Oil or Tincture. Okay, I have talked before on the show that CBD products have on the whole not been very successful for me. When these became legal in California several years ago, I tried a lot of different types of CBD for a lot of different things, primarily anxiety because I have anxiety and I've had friends who have had such good success using CBD daily or periodically to help deal with their anxiety or to help them sleep or to calm down, anything like that. Also at the time, several years ago, I was getting migraines on the regular. Thankfully, I do not get migraines so much anymore, but I was getting a lot of headaches, cluster headaches, and the occasional full-blown migraine. And so those two things, people have really touted CBD as like enormously helpful for those two things. So years ago, I tried a lot of CBD products. I tried gummies, tinctures, balms, oils, like all kinds of things, thinking they might be some kind of magical cure for some of the things I was experiencing. And I didn't like any of them. Either I didn't feel a difference or I didn't like the way it made me feel. I really disliked the smell. It just never quite worked for me. Now, one of the things that I talked about, I finally found something that worked for me was a CBD lotion made by Yuzu Soap. They make this lotion called a body butter. I know I just literally gave a whole talk about lotions, but this is a wonderful body butter that I've talked about and shared about before. It was on my gift guide last year. And I would rub this lotion on my wrists and kind of on my neck and chest before bed. And I really felt like it was the first CBD product that truly helped and that didn't make me feel like I had like, you know, a weird feeling in my body. Like it just was calming. So that's the first CBD product that I've shared. The second one, this one that's actually on my favorite things list today is made by Feels, F-E-A-L-S. And a friend who does not suffer from anxiety, but was really telling me how much it helped her sleep, she let me use some when I needed some help sleeping last month and I was really uh, just having a hard time. She recommended that I try this Feels tincture, hold it under my tongue for 30 seconds before bed. And that night I slept so deeply and so soundly, you know, more than I had in a really long time. I slept like heavy, you know, where you feel like you truly sleep like a rock, made me realize like how long it had been since I had slept like that. And when I woke up the next morning, I did not feel groggy. I didn't feel like, you know, that sort of hungoverish feeling that you get sometimes when you take a sleep aid. Like sometimes if I've taken a NyQuil or, or something that has also made me sleep really deeply for some reason, but then the next day I just feel a little off in the morning or I feel groggy. I did not feel this way with the feels at all. I felt like I awoke from a very deep sleep. I felt rested for the first time in weeks. And so after trying my friends, I went and ordered my own, bought my own little vial of it, and have used it about once a week 
since. I haven't been using it nightly or anything. And every time it has had the same effect where I feel like I get that kind of sleep where you can take a full breath in. And that's been really helpful for me. You know, I don't know a crazy ton about CBD or the different types of CBD formulas or why some work, why some don't. It also might be very dependent on your circumstances. You know, back in the day when I tried a bunch of different products to help with my headaches and my anxiety, maybe I was in a different place then. And I do think that it really does matter if you're, you know, how you might receive that kind of help. And so I have, you know, mixed feelings on a a personal level, not a moral level at all, but like a personal level of if this is something that I want to be part of my life or part of my regimen because I've had such a mixed uh, reaction to it. But for now, I can tell you that those two things that I mentioned, the yuzu soap body butter and this feels tincture, both of those things I have been taking almost exclusively before bed. This isn't something I've taken during the day, so I can't speak to how it would affect your workday or whatever. But for sleeping, for rest, for calming down, in the time when you need to calm down, but when your brain might be going nuts. So super, super helpful for me. Okay, number five, of my favorite things list. Number five is choosing a travel outfit. So what's most exciting about this favorite thing is that we are traveling again. Thank the Lord, it has been a very long year, 14, 18 months But I have had the occasion to travel several times in the last, I guess, six weeks, eight weeks. We went to see my family in Oklahoma for spring break. I flew to my lake house in May for a work week and to host my business mastermind. And then I had a quick trip last week for a family thing. So on these few trips, I have employed a trick that I used for a really long time, but I forgot about because we forgot about traveling for so long. But I have chosen a travel outfit, which is to say I have one outfit that I wear on every travel day. So the day I fly to my destination and the day I fly home, or if I'm not flying, maybe there's been some road trips also. But for travel days, I have one outfit. Now, this accomplishes a few things. It is a decide once, as my friend Kendra, the lazy genius, would say. It is a decide once decision. So once it's decided, you can just remove that thought from your plate when you're planning your outfits, when you're planning what to pack. If you're thinking about what you should wear the next day, it doesn't matter. You have a travel outfit. So that decision is already made and done. And you make that decision thinking about a few things, like depending on your circumstance, comfort, you know, how cute you want to look, if you need pockets or whatnot, once you make that decision, you don't have to think about it again. In fact, I chose the same travel outfit for several of these trips because it worked so well. So I just redid that outfit. And so that will be my travel outfit now for the foreseeable future until I change my mind or change up my style or, you know, whatever. But having a travel outfit makes a few things easier. Now, I will tell you that the travel outfit that I chose for these trips was from J.Crew. Which, can we talk about J. Crew for a minute? I feel like there was a few years in there where J. Crew took a little bit of a turn that I didn't totally relate to. So after years of some really fun prints and sequins and like getting kind of loud, they went back to maybe their original more like preppier, streamlined roots. 
which just I didn't relate to so much. But I went into J. Crew a couple of months ago. It was one of my first shopping outings in a while, actually. I was super excited. I needed some, you know, just a couple of summer basics, some shorts and things. And I was so pleased with what was happening in J. Crew. I got some really great basics for the spring summer, including what has become my travel outfit. It's like a lounge jogger set. Does that make me sound like an old woman? I don't even know what you would call this. <laughs> They're the jogger pants and the pullover sweatshirt, but they match. I think it's cuter in person than the way I'm describing it. But anyway, in a cotton cashmere blend. As I'm looking at it on the site right now, it is 30% off full price. If you're a J. Crew shopper, you know that it often has sales like this. I bought this on the same type of sale that was happening in store. I got like a lovely kind of pink salmonish color. This is like a fancy sweat suit set, people. But for travel, it is great. It's a cute color. I wear cute shoes with it. I mean, let's be honest. It's sort of the 2021 version of like the juicy couture sweatsuit from the early 2000s, but I don't care. It doesn't say anything on the rear end. It's very plain and it's very comfortable. And it's also something that I can use when I'm traveling on the trip, like to sort of hang out in in the evenings or whatever. And it just makes for a great travel outfit. That's what I'm wearing. So this favorite thing, number five, is sort of a twofer. Travel outfits in general, if you're sort of thinking about this as your summer plans kick up. And then also this particular jogger set in cotton cashmere from J. Crew. I will say the bottoms run a little big. I sized up because I didn't want them to be any kind of fitted, but I actually wish I had either stayed true to size or maybe even sized down because the bottoms are generous. The top, true to size. The bottoms may be a little slouchier than I was anticipating. As always, I will put a link to these things in the show notes. And while we are on the subject of clothes, items to wear, let me take you to number six of my favorite things right now, the Align Bra from Lululemon. They actually call it on the site an Align Tank Top. I guess it is technically a tank top. I do not wear it as a tank top. I do not wear it bare as one could. I'm wearing it as a bra under t-shirts and sweatshirts and the like. I found this bra because I was in a Facebook group where a thread was talking about Lululemon dupes, I think, maybe even a dupe for this very specific bra. I know this was in a Facebook thread. I don't remember exactly what it was about, but someone linked to an Amazon dupe of the Align tank top bra thing. And all I could tell from the comments on both the thread and on the thread for the Amazon dupe was people swearing by how much they loved this Lululemon Align bra. Well, I had not heard of it. And so I went to seek it out and ended up purchasing one and was like, ah, I totally get it. It is buttery soft. I think that's like literally how they describe the material. It is like a butter soft material, but it's not so constrictive like a sports bra it still allows you to have some shape, even a flattering shape, because it sort of comes down in a bit of a V, but it is so, so comfortable, especially because I spend most of my days here in my home office in some type of loungewear as I work from home. And so I'm not going to be in like an underwire fancy bra. Like I like soft, comfortable, 
underwear. I don't need like, you know, a whole big push-up thing for my daily life. I love this bra so much that I have on order. I haven't received it yet, but I have on order a, a few more colors. Now, I find Lululemon sizing to be a little different from like any other brands. And this is for their yoga pants and for their bras or tops or whatever. It's consistent once you know your specific Lululemon sizing. And they're not my favorite brand for this uh, type of thing. But I do happen to have a few pieces from them and I do love this bra. But anyway, if you're not completely familiar with your sizing in this brand, I recommend you get to a store to try on. Because my sizing in bottoms is smaller than it is in other brands. And then my sizing in tops is bigger than it is in other brands. So I I think it's very specific. Is it weird that I'm talking about bras on this show? I have a highly female audience, so I hope not. But also, I wouldn't be talking about it, especially on a Favorite Things episode, if it was not absolutely worth it. It is the Align tank top from Lululemon that I am wearing as like a bra. (laughs) As an, as an underpiece, if you will. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay, number seven. We're going to take a turn for seven and eight and talk a little bit less specifics, like items that you can click on, and then just talk a little bit more about some things that I'm into right now. Number seven is volleyball. But not really specifically volleyball itself. I'm just learning that exact sport. What makes it a favorite thing right now is that my daughter is really into it. And I mean really, really into it. I mean we're flying to Vegas for tournaments into it. Here's why it's one of my favorite things, why it's worth noting on this episode. There are a couple things in life that I feel like I took really strong stands on years ago that I am now eating my words about. One of those things is dogs, kind of pets in general, but especially dogs. For years, I was anti-dog. Not like that I hated animals per se, but I just did not want another thing to take care of in my life. This was primarily, of course, in the baby years when you're just run ragged by the amount of, you know, things that you are nurturing and loving and feeding on a daily basis. And I just could not even fathom adding a pet to the mix and everything that a pet brings with it. Dirtiness, nonverbal communication, needing to walk, needing to be arranged for if you travel. Like I just, having a pet, a high maintenance pet like a dog, I just could not even imagine that as part of our life. Well then, of course, Intercona Rocket, our sweet, amazing little four-year-old Alaskan Klikai dog that I am obsessed with and I love. I have done a whole episode on what having a dog has brought to my life, and I could, I could really speak on this for a really lengthy amount of time. I understand not wanting a dog, 
But now that I have one, it really is like been life-changing for me. It is such a comfort, such a source of joy and enjoyment. Just a really huge part of my life belongs to our puppy dog. And along those same lines, I was that parent who years ago swore up and down that I would never be like a club sport type of parent. I had friends who, you know, spent their every weekend and three times a week beyond that at club sports. They were going to tournaments. You know, their social life revolved around practices and traveling with the team. And they always seemed unavailable to do hardly anything else than this like club sport they were all about. And I always felt like that is not how I want our family life to look. I don't want to give up my weekends to tournaments. I don't want to road trip all the time. I don't want to be friends with other parents who are super into a sport. Like I just, it didn't make sense to me. I eat all of those words just like I do with the dog because my daughter, who is 11, she took up volleyball during COVID in like sort of very unusual circumstances. I do not think, because of everything I just mentioned, we would have even said yes to her trying out for the club volleyball team if we hadn't been in a pandemic and there were like hardly any other activities or social activities available for our daughter. And, you know, we'd been in the pandemic six plus months at that time. And I really felt like she needs to be doing something. She needs to be moving her body. This is an opportunity for her to make some different friends. So she took up volleyball in, I guess, late October, November, and it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. I didn't know anything about the sport. I didn't even know anything about the club that she was joining. It was kind of just like a quick, yes, we'll evaluate this later. (laughs) Like this is a pandemic, yes, if you will. Well, the months went by and there weren't you know, wasn't consuming because there weren't that many tournaments and all that, again, because of COVID. She did was able to have practice. We felt like it was like safe and started pretty quickly to be a really positive thing for her and for us as a family. Well, now here we are. Tournaments started up in full. We have made friends with these other families. I love the bonding that she has with her teammates. We've fallen in love with the sport itself, with volleyball itself. And we've become one of those families that like spends their weekends doing this club sport for a very young child who, you know, is not exactly headed for the Olympics or anything. But we've let it happily be something that we work around. So I'm saying all that, and it is a favorite thing because one, it has become a big part of our life. But two, because as parents, do we allow ourselves to rethink some of these things that we dig our heels in? in one season of life. And we don't always let it change when it's time for it to change. Like again, I don't know that I would have said yes to this if we hadn't been in unusual world circumstance. And now I'm so glad I did. I mean, maybe I would have, and you can't always evaluate like that, but it was a reminder to me of sometimes things change. Sometimes we change our mind on things. Sometimes our kid and their personality and their interests dictate what needs to change. And when we dig in too far on our heels, we aren't allowing ourselves to understand what could be positive about this change. So from the outside, before I was part of it, I thought, I don't want to be 
circling my life around a sport for an 11 year old. But now that that is what we're doing, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. I love to watch my 11-year-old play this game. I love chatting with these other parents that I wouldn't have met otherwise. It's like a whole new community for us. It's a truly enjoyable thing for us to cheer on. And it has been positive. So much like bringing the dog into our family, it's kind of funny to liken these two things, but much like bringing the dog into the family, some of the things that I feared are true dogs are dirty. Club sports is consuming. But I hadn't allowed myself to realize like what was positive about those things and what I would like deeply, deeply enjoy about them. That what I perceived as a burden actually ended up becoming fun. I couldn't have seen that if I hadn't have tried it. And so it's actually one of those lessons of the pandemic that I'm still thinking through and working through of like the way that we think about things, the way we conduct our lives, our family life, our work life, was forced to shake up a little bit. And what about those shakeups have turned out to be net positive? And would I ever have allowed myself to think about it that way if I wasn't forced to? So number seven of my favorite things is volleyball, but it's not really just volleyball, although that's a fun sport if you want to look into it. It's been a great, great sport for my girl, but it's also about letting ourselves change and tuning into what we really enjoy instead of like holding on to a principle that we think applies. Because I could still make some of those same arguments that I made before. Like, yeah, I don't want our weekends to center on tournaments sometimes or whatever. Like those were, it was a valid point of view what I had before, right? But now that we're in it, And it doesn't mean that we're going to be in it for life. It doesn't mean that she's going to do this through college or anything. But now that we're in it for right now, letting myself think about it and flat out admit that I didn't get it, but now I do, it doesn't mean everything I thought before was like not a reasonable concern or like a terrible way to think about it. It just means that now I have experience there and I have a new set of information that I couldn't have known before, that I wouldn't have even believed about myself or our family before. And this has been a great learning and growth opportunity, not just for my daughter, but for me and for our family as a whole. So it's a favorite thing, not just as a sport, but also like almost as a principle, you know, like I talk about letting ourselves change a lot on this show. And I talk about that to myself because my natural tendency is not to change. My natural tendency is to dig in hard and to take a stand sometimes when what I need to do is bend and learn and experience. And so that's what makes volleyball my number seven favorite thing. Number eight is a little bit different. Number eight is something that sort of seems like this obvious thing, but actually I've modernized it in a way that makes me so happy. Number eight is giving food as a gift. Now, I grew up with the philosophy that a lot of us grew up with, of course, that giving food, you know, when a person is ill, when they're having a hard time, maybe when they have a new baby, like all the things that you cook for them, and that that's a way to show love. You know, that's an age-old way to show up for someone. And I've done that in my life over the years. I like to cook for people. I've given food as gifts. But in some realms, I feel like that fell off my radar 
when I was gift giving as maybe like, you know, well, that's not good enough or fancy enough or or something, you know, like you want to buy off of a registry or you want to give a gift in a way that is, you know, memorable or impressive or highly useful or something. I don't know. You can really get tangled up in your mind about gift giving on the whole, or I can at least. And gift giving changes, like gift giving to your peers, I guess I should say, changes as you age. So when I was younger, giving things that were really useful were so highly appreciated or giving something that was not useful, but like a real splurge. I've talked about sometimes one of my favorite gifts to give a girlfriend is like a really nice lipstick, like a Chanel lipstick or something that they wouldn't splurge on for themselves, but they'll be so happy to have. I still love to give that as a gift. But the older that you get, sort of depending on what season of life you're in, a lot of times you realize like your friends, they have everything they need. You know, it's not their first baby. It's not their first home. They don't need these sort of starter things that are going to take them through a season. And so then for me, it becomes harder to choose a gift for them because they have what they need or they already know what they need. And yes, you can give like a splurgy fun sort of more frivolous item but now you have like people who don't want that type of clutter necessarily they don't want like a silly gift or a gift that they're never going to use you know like that kind of thing so as I've gotten older I've also become more mindful of the clutter that I'm entering into their house that type of thing so it's easy to get spun out on a good gift for someone and like you know, spending money on something that they would truly like or want, that they wouldn't feel obligated to keep, that's to their taste, et cetera, et cetera. And when I'm thinking about that, I don't think about like cooking for them or whatever, (laughs) because I don't feel like my cooking is worth gift giving. Well, this is then what I discovered. We had a friend a couple months ago who had surgery. And after his surgery, he stayed with us at our house because his apartment has a lot of stairs and stuff. He couldn't, he wasn't going to be able to get up and down the stairs. So in the immediate aftermath of his surgery, he stayed at our house. One of our other friends sent to him as like a post-surgery gift, this big, amazing bag of food. Now for locals, it was sent from Jones on 3rd, which is a great restaurant bakery thing here in LA. And it was this big like bag of food that I think is specifically called like the the comfort food box or something like that. And it was things that you could either freeze or use easily later. So it was like soups, like a chicken pot pie, I think a lasagna, like things like this. So things that you could just heat up in the oven or you could freeze for later use. It had a few desserts that came with it. Like it was just this lovely gift. And for me, I don't know why, because I got gifts sort of similar to this when I had babies. But I don't know. I had just like checked out on this being a gift to give. I was like, this is so amazing. It is thoughtful. It is useful. The presentation was darling. Like it arrived in this cute box thing. Like I was like, why have I not thought of this as a gift? Why did I wander so far off in... (laughs) my gift giving that I forgot that this is sometimes the perfect gift for someone. Useful, non-cluttery, delicious. And so since then, that was only, I don't know when that was, a couple of months ago. Since then, I have given food a few different times. I've used Jones on 3rd, again, if you're local. I've used Sweet Butter, that's another local place, 
they sell the same type of things that you can like buy and heat up later or freeze like like mac and cheese that's made with fancy cheese and breadcrumbs and that kind of thing like this these sort of heartier dishes that maybe you crave if you're not feeling well if you're going through grief or any other occasion that you might welcome a gift like this and then also desserts this is sort of a funny one to put in my favorite things but I want to put it on your radar as such a good gift for the person who you're not totally sure what to get them under the circumstances, but you want to show that you care. You want to support a local business, perhaps. Maybe if you're not a cook yourself, or you're not sure if what you cook would be to everyone's taste. Some of these things like I'm describing, seek out a local bakery, a local restaurant that does this. It's just my new favorite thing to give. And so that is my number eight, giving food as a gift. Number nine, almost there, almost at the end. Number nine is my to-read list. My favorite thing right now is my to-read list. Because are you like me just bowled over at the amazing amount of fantastic fiction that is out in 2021? I don't know if 2020, there was a lot of things happening in publishing, not the least of which was, like with everyone else, the pandemic, which pushed release dates and everyone's reading tastes. I feel like we're a little thrown off because the world was so off. I feel like 2021 has just come roaring in with some books that I am so excited about. They are on my summer read list, along with the reading plan I already had in place to read some backlist titles. I still have that on my radar for the next few months. But let me tell you about a few books on my to read list for this summer, some of which were added after my recent Best Books Lately episode with Ann Bogle. She always adds things to my list. But let me tell you what I'm excited about reading in the next couple of months. On my Kindle waiting for me right now, I have The Other Black Girl, That's a novel that was recommended to me by one of my dear friends. I just started the novel We Begin at the End by Chris Whitaker. That's been recommended everywhere. Olympus, Texas by Stacey Swan. That was recommended by Ann Bogle on episode 119. Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. That was recommended by my friend Stephanie way back on Best Books of the Year episode for 2020. She got an advanced copy of that one and highly recommended that. Since then, I've seen it everywhere, so it's on my Kindle. Taylor Jenkins Reid has a new book out. You've got to have seen that everywhere, right? It's literally everywhere called Malibu Rising. I pre-ordered it. I mistakenly sent it to my old house and haven't gotten over there yet to pick it up, but That is something I'm definitely going to read this month. I love Taylor Jenkins Reid. I have a few nonfiction that I bought hard copies of that are just waiting on my nightstand, including Dear White Peacemakers by Oshita Moore. Really excited to dig into that one. Jesus and John Wayne, which a ton of people are talking about. That is something I might end up listening to that one. By the way, I'm currently listening to Mariah Carey's autobiography. She reads it herself. It is fascinating. I'm not even a Mariah Carey fan. I'm not not a Mariah Carey fan, but I just heard it was a really good audiobook, so I bought it. So good. That one is in my ears currently when I'm listening to something, but I also might end up listening to Jesus and John Wayne. However, I already bought the hard copy. I also really want to read A Swim in a Pond in the Rain by George Sanders, which was recommended 
On the Best Books Lately episode with Sarah Hildreth from Fiction Matters several, several months ago, I bought that one right away and just haven't gotten to it yet. So I have more books on my to-read list right now that I am deeply excited about. I always have a to-read list going, but right now my to-read list is like, I'm like giddy over it. So, so many books that I'm already excited to read these and talk about them on the next Best Books Lately episode later this summer. That is how my reading life is going. And I love that because, you know, my reading like a lot of you have expressed, my reading was really thrown off in 2020. And I still read things. I read a lot of nonfiction, but it wasn't with like a lot of joy. And even in the beginning of 2021, I couldn't read hardly anything. I couldn't keep anything straight. And I read some kind of buzzy bestsellers and didn't connect with any of them. And I'm just not sure if it was my mood or what it was. But in the last few months, this spring, I feel like my joy of reading has really come roaring back. And that makes me so happy. That was number nine, my to-read list. Okay, number 10, my last favorite thing for this Favorite Things episode. Number 10 is my new private podcast on Patreon called Secret Stuff. You knew I was going to go there, right? Like you knew I was going to list that as one of my favorite things because it really is my new favorite thing. Secret Stuff is going to have bonus content from 10 Things to Tell You. We're going to have a Stephen King book club. I'm announcing those titles next week. So if you want to be a part of that, you need to sign up right away. Currently, The Secret Tapes, which is the interviews I did for my book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, they live over at Secret Stuff. And I just have so many ideas for the kind of content, personal and bookish and just extra topics that don't seem to fit anywhere else. They don't exactly go here at 10 Things to Tell You, but there's stuff I really want to talk about and talk through, or it's extra deep dives for the things that we do talk about here, but we want to go kind of another layer deep. All of that is going to be at Secret Stuff. And this is something I've been thinking about and planning for for so long, but it's not my favorite thing here, like as a plug. (laughs) It's my favorite thing because I'm genuinely excited about it and I'm proud of myself for launching it. Listen, I'm a girl who blogged for years for free, you know, who held myself back from doing things to the next level for a really long time because I had a lot of fear around it, because I had a lot of weird feelings about, you know, making money, which I shouldn't have had those weird feelings. But in retrospect, I know I did. I spent a lot of time working on the internet for free. And so for this year in 2021, for me to have both launched a book and launched a Patreon, this has been a time for me of a lot of personal growth, like a lot of letting go of some old ideas that I had attached to my identity and some old ideas about earning money or declaring my work to have a monetary worth. And so launching secret stuff or asking you to buy my book, share your stuff, I'll go first. These have been two of the scariest things I've done in my work life, like ever. And I've done them in, you know, like a four or five month time span. And as I've done them, I have lost the fear around them. Like doing the thing erased the fear of the thing. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't still feel vulnerable about putting my work into the world. I still feel vulnerable about some of the stories I told in my book. And I, you know, still feel nervous of how the secret stuff will be received, if people will like it or not. It doesn't mean that I'm like 
shedding all care in the world of what it means to put creative work out into the internet. But I do think I just have learned so many lessons recently about the anticipation of the thing is scarier than the thing itself. And that rejection or um, rejection is kind of a loaded word, but learning that you're not someone's cup of tea or that your work is not someone's cup of tea, like it's not the end of the world. We can all survive that. And almost a little bit of echoes of what I was saying about embracing club sports, embracing volleyball. Theoretically, how you think about one thing is not always what it actually is in reality and that you have to do that thing to really understand it. That seems like surface obvious, right? Like starting a job, moving somewhere, having a baby, like all of these things are like, well, you kind of have to go through it to really understand what's hard about it and what's amazing about it. But I'm still learning that lesson here at 42 that I don't know everything and that my opinion on a thing that I haven't done yet will really only take me so far and maybe only partially accurate. And that doing the thing is what will teach you what you need to know about it. And so launching secret stuff, even though I was really excited about it and I've been thinking about it for a really long time, but actually doing it and just stopping my looping thoughts about it or like stopping all the pro and con lists and just saying, look, I'm going to try this thing and I am excited about it and I'm going to give it a real go. And if it doesn't work for whatever reason, it won't be the end of the world. We can just try stuff and we can give it our best effort and then just like see what happens. I haven't always allowed myself that type of freedom. I have sometimes often, okay, always wanted to know the exact outcome of something before I tried it. I wanted to know if I would be good at it. I wanted to know if it was going to make money. I wanted to know if it would be worth the time and effort and however I measured those things. But one of the things about getting older, and I'm going to talk later this month about birthdays and all the things I'm learning lately, but one of the things is definitely that the benefit of caring less of what people think and holding things more loosely instead of holding so tight to what everyone thinks or what's exactly right and all of these things, holding everything so tightly. As my grip loosens on all of those things that I have held so tightly in my life, it absolutely goes hand in hand with realizing that caring what people think about you, caring less about what people think about you, isn't what I thought it was. It doesn't mean that you're just like, you know, two middle fingers up to everyone. That's not how I'm walking through my 40s. Caring less just means I get to try more. I get to see what works by experience. I get to see what brings me joy by trying it instead of thinking about it or worrying about it. And so when people tell you that they care less what people think, This isn't like the bravado affront that I used to kind of take that phrase. What it really is, is freedom. And so that's a lot of emotion to attach to my Patreon launch. I'm not trying to conflate all of the things together because I really want people to sign up for secret stuff because they care about that content, because they want to hear what we're doing over there and that they will enjoy it themselves. But for me, on a personal level, creating it, making it, launching it, saying, here is this thing, I think it is worth something. This has been enormously a personal growth for me. So that's why it makes it as my number 10 favorite thing. Of course, I would love for you to sign up and join 
secret stuff, you can do that by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Or if you're already a Patreon member and you already support some other creators, just search for Laura Tremaine or secret stuff in your Patreon app or on the website, and I will come right up and you can join. It's going to be fun over there. I have lots more to say about it later. But for now, it is number 10 on my favorite things list because it is actually my number one most favorite thing in summer of 2021. And so we are ending on that very high note. Thank you so much for listening to My Favorite Things. As always, the task here is for you to go share your favorite things, either online or with a friend or family member. Take something I said here today and use it as a jumping off point, or hopefully it just sparked something that you wanted to share that has nothing to do with anything. You just want to share it. That is the joy of the 10 things to tell you idea. So I hope that you do share something today and every day. Thanks for listening, friends. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 things to tell you podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.